Meeple Night, Episode 8, a podcast builds its future. Welcome to Meeple Night, a podcast about board games past, present, and future. In today's episode, we discuss our recent plays, review Architects of the West Kingdom from Garfield Games, and then discuss expansions, when we buy them, when we like them, and when they fall short. I'm your host, Andrew Caprell, and here's my co-host, Josh Knight. Good evening, everyone, and thanks for tuning in for yet another episode of Meeple Night. So two weeks have gone by, Andrew, and I haven't seen you. <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> I was wondering if it was going to, how that was going to roll out. But yeah, it has been a... I think this time might be the longest, uh, actually, because we only played right after we recorded last time um, our review copy for tonight. But uh, yeah, I've been doing pretty well. Uh, you know, it's still been hot. You know, I've been in, indoors a lot. And uh, I actually saw an article on, I think it was The Economist, but I don't remember for sure the news source. But anyways, it, they said that it was uh, the hottest July that we've had in recorded history. So you know, staying inside with the AC seemed like a good option. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so basically I've been watching uh, Apple TV, kind of exploring uh, what they have and found Ted Lasso, which had a lot of good reviews. And uh, I definitely recommend that one, even if you don't care about soccer. It's it's a great comedy. And then also Mythic Quest, which I, I'm not sure which one I like better, actually. If I'm thinking about it, Ted Lasso's kind of got a mix of like that feel good sports story, but Mythic Quest has that nerdy, uh, kind of like what, what's the MMORPG. So mm, okay. if it's in that nerd culture. Um, but yeah, and then on Disney Plus, been watching Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Uh, we'll actually finish that. All of these have m- more seasons coming, so I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> so um, that's cool. Yeah, so not to review those, but just wanted to give those a shout out and recommendation for uh, another hobby that I have, watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it's hot outside. Yeah. yeah, today, so we're recording this on Saturday, August 14th, and we actually had three th- thunderstorm warnings yeah. for today alone, which uh, didn't really affect, I was on call, so that's why we're recording it a little bit later tonight, but didn't really affect that, but otherwise... You said Disney Plus. Yeah. It was a show that recently came on of What If, featuring the uh, Marvel yeah, Universe. Yeah. yeah, I saw ads for that, but I haven't actually uh, haven't seen that one. It's pretty cool. Now, I only had the first episode. Uh, this was What If Captain America Didn't Exist, and instead it was mm. Agent Carter became Captain Carter. It's a mm, pretty cool play yeah. on it. So is that the that's the first episode or is that the whole season is that style? Just just the first episode. There's other ones like what if King T'Challa didn't become Black Panther but instead became Star-Lord? Um, or if uh Gamora became was actually Thanos or was like the, what Thanos became the the world crusher all that kind of stuff. It's it looks like a really cool concept. And yeah. it's one of those, I think it, it'll be fun to explore, but I also think it'll tie into the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe, because for those of you that are keeping track, we're now in a quote-unquote multiverse, so all of these what-ifs 
could theoretically be creating these like variants and other mm, yeah. things within a multiverse. So I think it'll be pretty cool. I think it means Marvel is going to be exciting and uh, kind of like, again, a little separate hobby is Marvel's hot right now. And I, I love yeah. watching all these products. Yeah. I mean, they, they are doing a great job, I think with uh, Marvel, not that I, I haven't seen most of it, but from what I can tell uh, they're they're doing well and people are loving it, especially with uh Probably COVID helped, but or didn't hurt. Or didn't hurt. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So it, Marvel is pretty fun. And you know what rhymes with fun is sun. <laughs> and that's going to be my theme for the games that we're going to discuss tonight. Or okay. For okay. my end, at least. So sun themes. And the first game I'd like to discuss is actually Viticulture Essential Edition by Jamie Stegmeier and Alan Stone and published by Stonemeyer Games. So for those out there, if you're obsessed with wine, how it's made, but you don't have the funds to purchase your own winery, then get Viticulture. (laughs) So this is a worker placement game where you'll balance the entire winemaking process from what vines you plant, what you harvest, how you crush the grapes into wine, and all the other facets like wine tours, selling products, and hiring more staff. Now, as the usual caveat, I played it solo, and I thought it was fine solo. Now, I will admit that this is the Automa Factory. See, I got it right yeah, that time. Nice. <laughs> it's their first design. It's extremely easy to run and extremely hard to beat. Uh, the actual game itself, the card quality was meh. It doesn't have that usual linen finish that most Stonemeyer games have. Uh, I did play the Essential Edition. So this one has a few more modules that got thrown in from the Tuscany expansion, oh, like yeah. all these different things. Did you, did you play I, it? With, I liked sorry. It. Did we, do you play it with the Tuscany expansion, or did you play just the... I played uh, just base game. Okay, okay. It's super easy if you want to run solo with yeah. Tuscany. I, I I played it. I played this game actually four times in a row. It's proved oh, there's wow. something good in it. It was easy to learn. Yeah. Uh, I Still, at the end of the day, I thought it was a fine game that I personally probably won't pull out myself, but if anybody else wants to play it, I would gladly join. So I guess based on Meeple Knight scoring, that's a three. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is one that Nicole and I played early in our uh, introduction to the gaming hobby. We borrowed from our mutual friend, Brian. And uh, yeah, we liked it a lot. I wasn't paying attention much to quality of yeah, you know, uh, component quality at the time. So I, I don't have much to comment on that. But yeah, we liked the game. Um, we didn't try Tuscany either, actually, because uh, we didn't think it looked good at two players i think was the issue it had like some area control element or something i don't remember exactly it's been a while now but yeah it's it's one that i definitely like to try again and uh, i think actually it was well you mentioned it was automa factories first so never mind it was uh they weren't even automa factory i think at the time they did it i mean it says it now for sure yeah i forgot the the gentleman's name i'd love to give him credit but it's one guy who kind of created this entire system yeah yeah, so uh, for the first one I'm going to talk about today is One Night... Uh, oh, wait, nope, I didn't play that. <sighs> we had two whole weeks without One Night Ultimate. Womp womp. Um, I want to give a shout out, though, to Hadrian's Wall, uh, which I played three times solo and once with you and Nicole. And I just wanted to loop back to it because I actually didn't enjoy the solo mode that much which is funny because the solo mode's not that different but 
the key difference is that you give or whenever you give a stone or a soldier up for um was it scouting or trade or whatever those are you have to draw an extra barbarian card and that might be just in the campaign mode i don't remember if that was solo or campaign mode but solo that bothered me a lot because it it doesn't hurt that much to give somebody a stone or a soldier but that hurts a lot to draw an extra so that that bothered me um yeah and we're going to talk a lot of a lot of garfield games today so i just figured i'd mention that <laughs> but uh my first one that I want to talk about in detail is Bonfire, which is designed by Stefan Feld. Uh, it's been a while Who's since I've talked about a Feld game. Yeah. Hair yeah. <laughs> Feld, uh, published by Pegasus Spiele. Listeners may know that's my favorite designer. And this is actually one of his Meteor Euros. Uh, so this would be on the heavier scale. And I th- I'm not 100% sure, but I think it might be the first solo he's designed uh, in a game. Or yeah, game, or so. game with solo, rather. Uh, so the th- theme is kind of loose here, but it's like that you're part of a gnome civilization on some dark planet where guardians gave them light, and all the lights have gone out, and you need to restore the lights to bring the guardians back. Uh, since it's a heavier game, there's kind of a lot of mechanisms going on. Uh, the core thing is that there's this grid uh, where you lay three by one tiles. Uh, that when you lay them, give you action tiles and you're trying to put like symbols together. So like you might want, um, one of the options is ships. You might want to put a ship next to a ship uh, so that you can get two ship tiles instead of one, basically. Um, And then you're doing this to spend the action tiles to move your ship around the seas uh, where you can then either collect empty bonfires, uh, which will be... Um, scoring opportunities for you or you might collect a guardian from an island um, or you might be gaining a gnome helper to give you some special powers throughout the game or you might uh, have guardians move along and inspect your bonfires that you have lit uh, or you might rotate the great bonfire uh, all of those are that's the thematic thing that's happening it's <laughs> uh, it's mostly a, a euro mechanism driven game mm-hmm. Uh as I said, it's heavier side. It's 3.64 out of 5 on the BGG scale, which isn't a heavy, heavy game, but for a Feld, that's one of his heavier ones. Uh, this didn't get rated that well by a lot of reviewers, uh, or at least kind of got a meh. And I don't know. I think it's a really good game, but <laughs> caveat is that this has a lot of AP. Uh, so... The, the setup is highly variable, but then once it's set up, there's not a lot of things that change tactically. So the, the first turn, basically, everybody maybe spends five to ten minutes like figuring out, plotting their longer-term strategy. And then you start chugging along, doing that. And since not a lot changes, you kind of get start to get set in this strategy. And then I think if you get disrupted it totally throws your strategy off and then you spend another five minutes sitting there like, okay, well, hold on. Now I need to, if I do this and this. And so that was kind of frustrating. Uh, so I, I wanted to try it solo, which I did. Uh, you know, I can't really say that I don't play solo anymore because I think every game <laughs> I've talked about on the show, I've played solo now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 
so as a sidebar, I guess I should uh, mention that thank or thank you for you know forcing me to finally do it because it is pretty fun actually. Just a yeah, different it's absolutely. a di- it's a different feeling than playing games uh, with somebody else. It satisfies a different itch. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think it's a great game as long as you're willing to deal with the AP. So my preferred player count would be at two. Uh, so and to mention for solo, uh, that got rid of the AP obviously because I was the only one doing yep. it, and the uh, it was not really. I guess it was kind of an automa player. Uh, it had like a deck of cards that told it what to do, uh, but that reduces the options that come out in the game because uh, it just doesn't cycle things as well, and less yeah. stuff goes on the board for a solo or two-player game. So that was annoying. So. I think it's better than meh and it shouldn't be overlooked. It's worth giving a try, especially if you're a Feld fan, but, uh, it, it is slightly, a, uh, it's at least average of his games to me. Okay. Well, before I get into it, I will admit castles of Burgundy has a solo mode. Now that could have been added later. I don't think that was in the original printing, but that is soloable. And I think that's the only Feld that's different. Now, speaking of different Felds, I think that's the other thing is people were expecting, they had a certain expectation when you have a Stefan Feld game that comes out, this was heavier, a little more denser than that. So your expectation didn't match the reality and that will change scores too. So I I think it's, it looks like an interesting game. I got it because the, as soon as everyone said man to it, the prices plummeted. plummeted. I got a good deal on it that we'll see. There is an expansion coming out. Oh, nice. Year. Yeah, because the prices have gone back to like normal price now. Yep. So we'll see. Maybe the expansion will do something with it. Uh, I agree with you. I probably would only want to play it solo and see how it runs. Maybe that two-player account. I don't know. But I think something that has such analysis paralysis inducing feelings to it, you got to go low play count. Yep, for sure. Well, you gave a shout-out a few minutes ago. I need to give a shout-out to my buddy Mike. So uh, we played Scythe this past weekend. Now, Veronica was out of town. She was at her bachelorette. Now, she calls it a girls weekend. But it's, <laughs> it was essentially a bachelorette. And my yeah. buddy Mike came over. And I just want to give him a quick little shout out because he did exceptionally well playing Scythe. He learned it on the 20-minute walk over to my house. He oh, wow. did. It, he almost beat me. Only reason I won is I had I went for it all early on. I had this objective that I could get extra points by having farmland. I happened to have like three or four farmland under my control at the end of the game. Only reason I beat him, he did yeah, very nice. well. So, Mike, con- uh, congrats on that. You did you did a good job, buddy. Yeah, which is a testament for a good a good game. You know, if you can keep up with somebody who's played, I mean, I don't know how many times you played it, but you played at least the whole campaign. So, twelve or fourteen times at this point. It's all solo. Yeah, so, so that's pretty good. Yeah, but Scythe unfortunately doesn't have anything to do with the sun. That's my theme tonight. <laughs> So instead, we're going to talk about Tekenyu, Obelisk <laughs> of the Sun, yeah. which is designed by Daniel Tessini and David Turchi and published by Board and Dice. Oh, so this, who's, in this David, game, who's David Turchi? I never heard of him. Dave Turchi? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's definitely not my favorite designer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, not at all. But in Tekenyu, there's this really cool obelisk that's going to sit in the center of the board and you're going to have different colored dice. White, yellow, gray, brown, and black around this kind of center obelisk. Depending on the quote-unquote sun position, some dice are favored, others are unfavored, and the rest are banished. 
There's six sections, and all of these will be honoring the gods of Egypt, which you will select dice from these regions as you attempt to build the foundation for before the reckoning by the goddess Mott. I probably mispronounced that. I apologize. I think that's Mott. I think that's right. Oh, that's good. So this is within the quote unquote T series, and I think it's a fantastic game. I love these complex euros. The rule book's a little long, but the rules weren't difficult. They weren't hard to digest by any means. I think I still prefer Teotihuacan, but okay. I can't stress how much I love these games. They're absolutely fantastic. There's talk about an expansion incoming. There's another one for Tekenyu coming, which will be a lot of fun. I love them. I think they're great. Yeah, I mean, this. I think this and Trismegistus are the only ones in the T-Series I have outstanding. And uh, yeah, I, I've liked them all so far. It's really hard to pick a favorite, I, re- I think, in the, the in this series because they're all they're all so good, and they like scratch just different enough of an itch that um, you feel like you want want them all. But I have access to them all at least right now. Yeah, I, I think it's great. So if you're interested in a really crunchy complex euro, if you're a solo gamer and love this, uh, I would highly recommend Tekenyu Obelisk of the Sun. Awesome. All right. Well, my next game is, I guess my theme is favorites. I don't know. That's a very loose theme. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is Dungeon Pets. Uh, Dungeon Pets with a Z. Yeah. (laughs) Designed by Flottish Bottle and published by Czech Games Edition. Uh, And so I think this is probably my favorite publisher, at least at the moment. They haven't done me wrong. Uh, So this is like an old school modern euro classic which you'll be mad at me for saying modern uh, it's from 2011 <laughs> uh so it's like three years before alchemists which uh we talked about early in the shows i really like a lot uh this has a lot going on uh i'm just going to talk about it thematically because the mechanisms pretty much tie into the uh what you're doing thematically because it's just an action selection game uh so actually sorry it's worker placement anyways uh you're each running a pet farm to sell pets to Dungeon Lords, which was a game that came out a year before it, uh, where you're designing a dungeon. Uh, And so they're thematically linked together. So on your turn, you're just assigning groups of worker imps uh, into groups of different sizes behind a player shield, and then you reveal, and whoever has the largest group size places those first. And so you place an order of group size. So like if I put four imps together... I would go first. And then if Nicole had three, she would do all her group sizes of three. Uh, so on. Uh, anyways, you can assign them to go pick up food at the market, buy a baby pet, go to the library and learn a new skill, which is a permanent special power for your workers throughout the game. You can auction pets off to the dungeon lords. You can visit a hospital to pick up your sick or injured imps. You could <laughs> buy new cages or you could stay home and clean cages or play with animals because... They're animals, so they need to be played with. They eat food and poop. Uh, They get angry and ruin their cages. And they're also magical. So if they have too much magic, they, uh, like, I don't remember what the term is, but they transport to another dimension or something. So you have to try and... nice. (laughs) So you have to try (laughs) and manage that, too. It's like if, if they do... If they're over whatever the magical limit for your cage is by one 
they get a mutation. And if it happens again, then they mutate away from this dimension. So if they're mutated, <laughs> they're worth less money. But if they're double mutated, they're gone forever. So uh, uh, they go into the <laughs> multiverse. Yeah, okay. they go into the multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one, at least partially because the theme is interwoven so nicely, was a ton of fun. Uh, the components are relics of the 2010 era. You know, they're all cubes. Uh, you, you can definitely get upgrades very easily. But I like this game quite a bit. We only played it once at two-player because it's it was about a two-and-a-half-hour game. And it's not soloable, at least maybe with the expansion it is, but we don't have that. And I'm not going to get the expansion yet because I've only played it once and there's a lot of variability in the base box. So... Yeah, I'm definitely hoping to play it again soon. And uh, CGE can still do no wrong by me right now. Yeah, okay. Well, to me, it sounds like for those millennials out there, Tamagotchi, the board game. Yeah, uh, that's actually a good comparison. I don't know if you've seen the components, but the no, their little the their little eggs is what the monsters are. On the back side, it's an egg, <laughs> and on the front side, it's a picture. Like the top half is a picture of the monster, and then it's. The bottom half is a scrolly wheel that tells you what they need. So like how much food go. to feed them, how angry they get, how much playing they need, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the last game we're going to discuss tonight, we're going to do a joint review of it. And that's going to be Viscount of the West Kingdom, which is by Shem Phillips and Sam McDonald and published by Garfield Games. Now, we're doing this combined because, as you know, tonight is Architects. I've already mentioned Paladins before, so we wanted to discuss the entire West Kingdom. So, in Viscounts, it's first you built an empire with Architects, then you conquered the land with Paladins, and now the land, the kingdom, has collapsed, and you're hanging on by a thread. In this Rondell game, you're going to move your Viscount around to either support the king or join the people as their revolt. This balance hangs on this battling virtue slash corruption track. And it's, I will admit, it's not just a rondelle system. It also has this kind of cool deck building slash tableau system where you have three active cards at a time. Uh, personally, I thought that was no theme in this, but I know you <laughs> felt differently than yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, I, the other thing we'll just quickly say is that it had minimal setup time. And my thoughts was it wasn't as heavy as Paladins. Yeah, so few things to comment on i guess there uh, i want to start with the theme thing because this was uh, this this is the one that made me finally look into like what is the theme of the whole west kingdom series and it is based on west francia which is the carolingian dynasty uh, which started around 850 ad and ends around 980 ad which is exactly when the rule book says they're set and so for this one the at the end of the Carolingian kingdom is when the Capetian dynasty starts, uh, which is the monarchy that then rules France all the way until the French Revolution. And Hugh Capet, who's the one who starts it, is a viscount of the West Kingdom. He's the Count of Paris, who is basically doing a bunch of political intrigue and gets elected king upon the death of. Uh, I don't remember Louis the. I think he's called Louis the Do Nothing or something like that because he was like the king for two years and was a kid. So, <laughs> but 
I don't know. I just felt like it was thematic because, well, partially that is the idea is that you are trying to build yourself up and collect uh, a bunch of people in your deck who uh, make you make you uh, are the foundation, I guess, for what you're doing. And then you can go to the castle and do political intrigue, uh, which is probably the least thematic of them. Uh, you can write um, manuscripts for the church, which requires you to get church people to do it. Uh, you can trade, which is to basically what you have to do at the beginning of the game to get resources. And the places you do that are appropriate. Like you go to the mountain area on the board to get stone or gold. Um, and then what's the last one I'm forgetting? Oh, you can spend stone. Yeah, spend stone to do buildings. Um, yeah, I mean, foreshadowing a little bit. I think it's less thematic than architects, but um, I don't think it's a thematic. But based on how I perceive theme, and there was something else you mentioned, but I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> That's okay. Again, we, yeah, we just wanted to to mention it here yeah. so that way we'll have a little brief discussion about the entire West yeah. Kingdom, the trilogy, and we didn't want to leave Viscounts out. Oh, that's what it was. Sorry, I remember it. Uh, the Rondell aspect of this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I get that you're going around and around the track, but I guess to me, when I hear Rondell, I'm thinking like you have to that that push and pull of going farther ahead on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, which then if you do that cause to get the cool thing that's five spaces away, then you sacrifice those five spaces to anybody else because whoever is furthest back on yeah. the track has a bunch of turns. You know, that's what I think of when I think of Rondell. But I, I understand that a Rondell is basically just going around and around a track, just like in the context of board games. That's what I think of. Yeah. I mean, this one also has the inner circle and the outer circle. So you're kind of like bouncing in between this and like you play a card and be like, all right, so if I play this card, I'll have three movement. This will give me this, this, this. But if this card, oh, one movement. Oh, I could just go that Don. I like that. Yeah. And the as far as heaviness goes, I actually found, I think to me, Paladins was harder to learn. Or sorry, Paladins seems heavier because the theme is less there to me. But I, I struggled with this one because there's a lot of symbols in, in Viscounts of the West Kingdom that have zero text on them. Uh, which it does happen in the other ones, but the player aid in this was terrible uh, as far as like explaining what symbols were. I, I thought, uh, you know, Architects has a whole eight page book about what each character does. Yeah, this that is true. had nothing. And so I had to use BGG, which the answers are all there, but that's a lot more annoying than a rule book to me anyways. Interesting. I, I had none of those issues and I played it, I think, four or five times. I really enjoyed it. But I've also extensively played the, these West Kingdom games. And it's sort of like you're all, almost inferring with some of their things. This, the iconography, you see it, it looks similar enough to something you saw before. Oh, that makes sense. I'm going to do this, 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 whatever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, I played this one th- three times solo and once at two. So uh, it was the third time when I felt like I really like 
understood a strategy and stuff in in this because I think there's just more. I don't know. There's a lot going on. There's a whole lot going on. Yeah. It's definitely not as narrow-minded as Paladin's yeah. at your setup. But we'll get into that but, a yeah. little bit later. But yeah, that's sorry. That's picking. Yeah. Nitpicking. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to do now, because we haven't discussed it yet on Meeple Night, <laughs> is we're going to discuss our review game of Architects of the West Kingdom. Today on Meeple Night, we review Architects of the West Kingdom, designed by Sam MacDonald and Shem Phillips, and published by Garfield Games. In Architects of the West Kingdom, players are royal architects in the Carolingian Empire, circa 850 AD. Players compete to impress the king and maintain their noble status by constructing various landmarks throughout their domain or contributing to the new royal cathedral. Players will need to collect raw materials, hire apprentices, and keep a watchful eye on their workforce. These are treacherous times, and rival architects will stop at nothing to slow your progress, even spreading gossip to the locals to round up your workforce. Does architects have the foundations of an awe-inspiring board game worthy of the Emperor King Charles, or should it be sent to the dungeons never again to see the light of day? So the rules for this are pretty self-explanatory. But we'll give a quick little overture of it. Every player is going to receive a player board. The reverse side actually has a variable setup. You'll also get 20 workers, some silver, and four building cards. You may think you're ready to play, but not quite yet. First, you have to choose a building and then pass your three cards around the table. Do this again twice more, and then we can get down to actually playing. You're going to put your color marker on the seven on the virtue track and just below the cathedral, which you'll hope to build. This is a worker placement game, so you'll get your resources, like clay, stone, or silver. Maybe you'll steal from the bank. Maybe you'll visit the black market. Or you'll build buildings or construct the cathedral. Some of these locations will allow for multiple of your workers to be placed there with an exponentially increased yield. For instance, one worker can get you two clay. The next worker can get you three clay or a single gold. But be careful, as too many workers in one spot may be too powerful and seem suspicious, as other players can send a worker to the town center and arrest other workers. You can even arrest your own workers. You'll balance all these intricacies in order to hire apprentices, construct buildings, build a cathedral, and all to ascend the virtue track. Once a certain number of these constructions have occurred, it's last call for everyone to take one more turn before the king judges your influence on this budding West Kingdom. All right. Thanks for that, Josh. So after the rules on Meeple Night, we'll start with our first impressions and the aesthetics. And we'll resume normal order here and I'll go first. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this, like all Garfield games, it has art by the Miko, Michalo Dmitrievsky, and uh, good job yeah. pronouncing that. <laughs> it's that Eastern European blood, I guess. So uh, yeah, so I had already played Paladins and Raiders, and we decided to review this. So I 
was pretty excited about this game, basically, between the art and the design pedigree, basically. Uh, the only worry I had was that it might be too simple because it's pretty much just, you know, place a worker, take the resource, not a bunch of engine building. Um, and then as far as aesthetics go, other than the art, which is great, uh, as typical per the Miko, the... I thought the components were great. I mean, they're not, they're never going to compare to upgraded components. I'm, so I'm not going to say that, that they compare to that. <laughs> but uh, as far as wooden components go, you know, they're not cubes. They're, they're shaped like the items that they represent and they're different colors as well. They're, they're the appropriate color. So it, if you don't have the budget to upgrade your components, then I, I think they're pretty good components. But obviously, you know, the ones that we played, like when we played with your marble, those were the marble and the gold is pretty nice. So I don't understand why Meeple Source uses like iron ore to be stone. I don't get it. Shiny stone. <laughs> yeah, I no, guess. Yeah, but it yeah. works. Yeah, I, I kind of follow suit with you. So I love anything that Miko touches. I think he's a fantastic artist, and I'm really attracted to a lot of his games. Just like I'm attracted to games designed by David Turchi, and his art is just has that draw to me. This is a typical small Garpill box because the box itself is small, but there's a lot of stuff within that. But it's not as many components as say Paladins or even Viscounts, which is yeah. which is nice. Yeah, it actually fits in the box when you're done with it. <laughs> yeah. Even with the upgraded components and everything, it still fits in the box. I have zero lid lift, which is nice. The player boards are flimsy. I kind of wanted to mention that, but it doesn't affect gameplay. So it's one of those, I don't care. They're they're fine. Uh, and you're right. I do like my upgraded components, especially this is a building game. The, ones, the wooden ones come in it are fine, but I, I do love the upgraded ones. So shout out to Meeple Source for those. And that gets us into our next category, which is the rules teach. Now, I will say one thing is that this game, before I ever played it, seemed pretty hyped. Uh, I know Mike Delicio, one of the my favorite solo content creators out there, had loved this game. So I kind of had a little premonition going into it. So there's a lot of different content out there for it. But specifically for rules teach, Rado and Watch It Played have excellent videos. The rule book itself is exceptional kind of as expected, like you mentioned, has a lot. If you have questions about cards, there's a lot of references in there. I rarely ever reference them anyways, but the rule book's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add there. I I think this is probably the best of the rule books in the whole West Kingdom series uh, because it it clearly explains what every card does, what every start variable starting player ability does, unless you have the promos. Uh which, I mean, those are promos, so that shouldn't be in the base box. And then uh, what every location does. And the organization makes sense to me. So it's easy to learn from and easy to reference later. Um, and I, I did not watch a video, so I don't have any comment on those, unfortunately. Um, all right, so our next discussion topic is going to be theme and setting. So... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I thought this is the most thematic of the series. Uh, it is set right when the Carolingian dynasty is kind of coming to power and establishing itself as an empire. And so it, it makes sense to me. Every act, or every place you can send your workers makes sense. You go to the woods to get trees. You go to the uh, mines to get clay or gold. 
you go to the town hall. You go to the town hall to gossip about uh, the other players' workers in order to get locals to round them up. You go to the or the guardhouse to lock them up. Uh, so I mean, all of the places do what you expect. All of the powers of the buildings that you build make sense. Um, my only two disconnects were uh, why you lose workers permanently when they go to the guild hall. As far as the me- like, I get it from a mechanism point of view. It's making a making it be a slightly more difficult decision and diminishing your worker pool. Just thematically doesn't doesn't jive. And then why you have to sacrifice drawing plans from your architects to constructed the cathedral thematically a disconnect but mechanically sound that is true yeah i can't think of anything you say well the worker perished while he was building it or something like that i I can't but especially when you say you have to lose a building plan like a blueprint in order to build at the cathedral you're right that doesn't fit but the other thing you're right with this is the most thematic of the three games which we'll allude we'll talk more about later and i loved it and the idea, so I'll put a little different spin on it, is the idea that more workers at a location raises suspicion was a cool idea. And to me, this is my thought process. Again, I'm putting my own theme to it is others are questioning how another player acquired so much uh, stone. Yeah. So it must be an illegal trading or maybe you want great goods sold at the black market. So then you're going to have to lose virtue if you visit there. And if you lose too much virtue, you can't build in the cathedral. Oh, but wait, if you have too much virtue, you can you won't be caught dead in the black market. There's those little things that they've built into the system, which again, mechanically is brilliant, but also thematically yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I also one other thing that I'm just thinking of now is the also the variable player powers kind of made it cool too, because they drive kind of what you're doing and the people like Hugo is the one that I think of, which is the green guy who's holding a bag of money and just looks slimy. And that's exactly what I felt <laughs> like when I was playing Hugo. It's like, I have all this money, just like money galore. Keep keep bringing it in. Just, oh, I just bribed the guards. It's fine. It's fine. I don't need debt. No, it's fine. I can pay it off. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I This one, the theme is good. Just those two, two things I had a problem with. Well, let's talk about another thing that this game excels at, at least in my opinion, and that's the mechanism. So as a, it's a fun play on the work, worker placement mechanism. So there's compound risk, or there's compound reward, but uh, of course there's associated risk with this. So the resources are tight in this game, especially marble, which you need to build some buildings, or in the upper tier of the cathedral. So this could be some take that involved with it, like capturing other workers, which thematically I like, as we just mentioned, but practically I don't, as it can be a quote-unquote king slash queen making. And I, I specifically bring this up because Nicole did it. <laughs> I think you were, the three-player game that we had, you were winning. You two, were, you and Nicole were very tight. I was in a little more distant third because my character was too virtuous. I couldn't get a lot of these good resources. My engine was terrible. So she attacked me. I had a lot of workers at like the clay pit yeah. or something like that. And she went after and captured my workers, which essentially ended but I think my game. That was also, so, I mean, not that it matters a bunch, but like, I imagine it was also because you had the most workers at that, like 
you had four or something and I maybe only had two or three because I think in that game I did a pretty diverse strategy to not be low-hanging fruit. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying that it can do that. Yeah, so this is just one of those. I'm actually going to apologize to Nicole <laughs> on the podcast because when we played a little divergent here or a tangent, when we played the uh, champions of Midgard, I was a little more take that to her <laughs> brutal, and I keep bringing it up, but I, I have to admit I hate take that okay. mechanisms, just like sort of uh, uh, blind detective yeah. type stuff. I don't like take that whatsoever in these board games. So Nicole, I'm sorry. Wow. Tangent yeah. over. Yeah, so I think that mechanism didn't bother me from experience, but I guess that was also, I don't know. I, I was just mentally prepared for it. So maybe I, if I'm prepared for it uh, and it s- feels like a major part of the game, then it's okay f- for me. But yeah, I, I, you definitely have to be prepared for that, uh, especially if you're going to build up you know, three or f- once there's three people at a location, I think that's basically going to be tempting. And I think probably if you had four or five players, that's less of an issue. I think it's at three players that you've, uh, you know, usually said that's an issue. And you, you know, one way you can fix it is you could always play with the dummy, which I don't know when's a good time to bring that up. I guess mechanisms, good time as any. Uh, but I, so we played the two player game with the dummy. I think Nicole was about ready to quit about a third of the way through because he like three times in a row drew town center and she was like, I can't, I can't, (laughs) she needed gold and she couldn't get gold because every time he would just like town center again and take her. That's the first place he goes is the mines. (laughs) And so that was really frustrating for her. Uh, So at the mines is when you put one, you can only get clay. You have to, the second worker you place is how you get gold. And so she could never get the second worker there or at least not for, you know, four or five rounds, but we stuck through it. And I think she liked it more after we had gone through the deck once. And I think that's kind of the thing is that, you know, you need to know the distribution of cards because he basically went through the town center, four of his five town centers right away. And so it's, it's just a different game when you're playing with the, the dummy, but I think it does a decent job at just making sure that nobody gets too powerful and kind of, uh, moving the game pace along uh, by taking up yeah. guild hall spots. In the three-player game, the three-player game we played, I was the dummy <laughs> player. D u m b y i e. No, yeah. Um, so that alludes us to flow and very quick turns. And occasion, occasionally, your plans will be disrupted. However, like the person in front of you aka you take the apprentice that i needed for my system to run maybe you moved up the cathedral or captured your workers nicole so the the flow is very quick but sometimes as you've already kind of considered all right i need to do this to do that whatever and then all of a sudden one thing part of that cycle disrupts and you're like no yeah i gotta rethink yeah and i mean in this particular game like you mentioned that could be an issue because uh, there's not really a great way to cycle through the apprentices, which it di- it didn't bother me a ton, especially not in solo, um, because in solo is more just like what's on the board, and I'll just kind of make the best I can out of that. But 
Yeah, I mean, there's that that is a potential issue is that the there's not a lot of apprentices that come out. So pretty much what's on the board is what you're going to get. Um, yep. And yeah, I agree on flow. Turns are very short. Uh, there's not a lot of downtime. Uh, caveat being, I only played this at max three players. So I don't know, like if you played yeah. at five players, maybe there'd be slightly more downtime, which might be an issue only because turns aren't that complex. And so like, you might be frustrated, like I'm waiting two minutes to do my twenty second turn or whatever. I guess that would that math doesn't add yeah. up, but one minute to do my fifteen second turn. But it's still one of those most games don't play well at five yeah, 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 that's a hard regardless. Uh and then so that a little bit ties into length of game. I I thought the length of game was perfect for what this game is. Uh you know, it's forty five maybe 60 minutes on a first play at three or four players. Um, and you can kind of drive the timing of the game. That is uh, going to the guild hall is a way that you can speed the game up or slow it down, uh, which I found playing solo is basically, I just never went to the guild hall, stockpiled a ton of resources and then built a ton of buildings in the last round. And so I you, had some control of the length of the game. That's, not going to be the case in a three or four player game, but uh, I think if it was any longer, it would be too long for the complexity of it because you're not, you're not building an engine. Yeah. So you don't get the same level of satisfaction there. Yeah, you're right. I, I thought the, the length is perfect. I think the three player game that we did play was less than an hour, which yeah. was impressive. And that was even including somewhat of a setup time. Wait, because, what? With an you know, insert? To, oh, yeah, because I had set it up before. Yeah, set yeah, up yeah, your yeah, quality, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, before my insert could arrive. But solo was about the same. Like you said, you can kind of gear, decide how long that solo game is. And I think that's this is the time I'm going to bring up the expansion. Okay. Because the expansion, which is Aid of Art- Age of Artisan, that's the current expansion. There was one on Kickstarter recently. The expansion, when you add it in, does not add much time mm, that's to this good. game, which is perfect yeah. expansion. Yeah, that uh, and I, that seemed like when I looked into it after we had played together that it was a. Uh, good at fixing that so that we also i ended up backing both expansions um, because it's the other one also seems like it adds some pretty cool um, mechanisms that might make it a a little bit more not not engine buildy but like a little more to think about so in regards to fun i decided to write yes question mark (laughs) oh man I really enjoy this trilogy, which we'll talk about, but this game 1000% needs the expansion, in my opinion. That Apprentice deck does not cycle enough for me when I play. And the other thing is, like I alluded to earlier, is the take that. I don't like players deciding when to take that because it can kind of decide you, you may not necessarily choose the right thing or whatever. So, for me, I I, th- I think it is fun. Question mark. <laughs> okay, uh, I thought this was really fun, um, and 
I was worried it was going to be too simple uh, because, it, and it's, it is missing that engine building, really. You, in a lot, well, not Raiders, but in the other two West Kingdom series games, you are building a little more of an engine. And so this does not have that. That's not what this game is. This is a worker placement that is a little bit more than, I, I mean, it's a little bit more than a gateway. It's not as straightforward as maybe Lords of Waterdeep. But but I mean, maybe it is. Uh, it, it's pretty close to that level of game. So that's why I like it. And I also kind of circling back to theme, just get drawn in by the Miko's art. And uh, yeah. so that's why I have fun. I feel like I'm there. And playing it solo was surprisingly a lot. Uh, like... I don't know. The the puzzle aspect of the solo was fun. Um, so I would definitely... I would play it either either way. I don't think I'd play it at five, but who knows? Maybe I'd give it a try if anybody wanted to. Yeah. I, I think it's a little more advanced than Viticulture, the worker placement we mentioned earlier. But yeah, it is it is pretty easy to learn. It does create fun, which gets us to replayability. Now... I think I only want to play with the variable player setup. I think that's more enjoyable at this point. So I would only use that. And but with that, there's like what? What do you think? There's like fifteen of them. In there um, that's a lot. I think with the expansion, so there's there's five colors which each have two sides. So there are ten in the base, like before Age of Artisans came out. I don't know if Age of Artisans came with any, and I know the Works of Wonder is coming with five more. So there. Uh, Age of Artisans had one more, and then there was okay. promos in the initial one too that added. So there's a so, bunch so of replayability. I am including, pro- the, I am including the promos. So so oh, there's okay. ten including gotcha. the promos from the base case. Okay, but still, it's yeah, still, yeah, it's still a lot. lot. Which is now for me, I, I think you kind of mentioned it was I'd consider playing this multiplayer with the expansion, but honestly, I only want to play it solo. I, I never want to play with another human <laughs> other than with the expansion. Can, no, it, can it, you say that true. in a I love robot voice? <laughs> I only want to play with a robot. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, yeah. The, here's the thing. It, it is so replayable. I've, I've played it four times in one sitting, twice this year alone. That's incredible. Yeah, I agree. And this was... Uh, I was originally going to try to play with each of the... Uh, different variable setups just because I was having fun with that, but I, I didn't end up doing that. I have seen each player in the game between our three player game, two players with Nicole, and then my solo uh, plays. So I've played five times solo, I guess. So I enjoyed this a lot. I think also because the Apprentice deck doesn't cycle, it actually does add to variability in the setup uh, because. You know, only maybe 15 to 20 are going to come out. And the, the deck is 45 uh, at the start of the game. So at best, you're going to get through half the deck. Um, in a five-player game, you'd get through more probably. But uh, And then, you know, the two expansions are coming out. So that adds modes you can play. But even without those, uh, there's lots of different building combos you could work off of. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of variability. I think the lack of control over the engine building uh, is what might drive some people to not like it. Uh, and Or also, the it's a high interaction game, basically. 
So here at Meeple Night, what do we <laughs> yeah, score? Here games? at Meeple Night, we score things on a five point scale, which is driven by categories. So starting with one, which is not fun, I would pass if has to play. Two, game is okay, but not likely to hit the table. Three is a good game, worth playing in the right situation. Four is a great game, almost always willing to play, need to have access to it. And five is an amazing game, among my favorites, must own it. So overall, I hope I was able to convey I really do like Architects. The expansion is a must, in my opinion. And I'm excited for the new upcoming expansion, Works of One or Works of Wonder. Yeah, right. Yep. I think that's the name of it. But as of right now, I really only want to play solo. So as such, this game's a three. For me. Okay. Good game, worth playing in the right situation, which is solo. <laughs> okay, solo. Yeah. Uh, so I really like this one. I love the cartoony setting. I get in. I get into this world and I just want to say Hugo for life. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is a four for me. It's it's a great game. I'm almost always willing to play it. It's not among my favorites. Um, as I've mentioned a few times, you're not really building an engine. I don't feel super clever. I have fun while playing the game. It's a great game for me right now as far as being a hour or less. So it's great for the end of the night, but uh, not my favorite worker placement. And just also kind of my in when I'm thinking about how the other games are in this series, that affects how I feel about it too. So that's a four from me and a three from Josh. So what's that combined score, Josh? I can't do math right now. Architects of the West Kingdom, you get a lucky number seven from me. And next, a surprise section. We're going to wrap up our thoughts on the West Kingdom series. So, just a quick overview of all of them together. So, Architects, which will have two separate expansions, Age of Artisan and Works of Wonder. This is a shared worker placement game and is currently ranked 80th on the BGG. Paladins, which will have an expansion called City of Crowns, which is an individual worker placement game with unique workers, has a score of 69 on BGG. And finally, Viscounts, which will have an expansion called Gates of Gold. There's another one. I, I couldn't find it all on Shem Phillips' Instagram account, but there's another one. And this currently has a score of 187 on Board Game Geek and is a Rondell no, slash uh, Rank, right. What? Rank, right. It's a yeah. rank. Why did I say Yeah, no, okay. these are ranks. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm just making sure. Yep, it's proof I've been working since 8 a.m. I apologize. <laughs> it's all good. Um, sorry. Nope. Go ahead. That's all I had. Okay, yeah. So I guess then for... To start off, my thoughts is... Well, as listeners who have been listening since the beginning of the show may know, Paladin's was in my top 10. That doesn't change. This is that is definitely my favorite in this series. Um it might be the least thematic. <laughs> I think it's I'm comfortable saying it's the least thematic in the series. Uh the it's it's just some more abstracted because there's a bunch I think there's four different tracks or three different tracks which do have names <laughs> but they're they're just 
colored and they're not driven that well. I mean, they're not, they don't present the theme as well. Still my favorite. The mechanism is great. I love the mechanism. Uh, and then between architects and Viscounts, I have to say that really, I think architects takes the cake for me. Okay. Is I, I like them both. This is not like I was talking about this with Nicole and like hashing out details of where I felt each one fell. And it's like, I'm not talking like a five, a four and a three or something like this is like, they're all fives and fours and I will play both all three of them, uh, which I do want to do with the West uh, or with the Tome Saga expansion. But uh, yeah, I think that's where I fall is uh, Architects just slightly edges it out because it's shorter and the theme is a little bit better uh, to me. And so, and, and especially for me, I like it better solo. Uh, then I then I like Viscounts solo. So Viscounts, I guess if I was playing with other people, I'd maybe rather play Viscounts. I'm not sure. I've only played that one once at two. So that's fair. Well, you and I have similar ideas. Paladins is also in my top ten. It's going to remain there. It gets a score of five for me. And Viscounts, which. I think it's pretty streamlined. Even if it's difficult to plan, as there is some player interaction, I think it has the most player interaction, theoretically, because you're a little more jumbled up and whatnot. Maybe. I don't Yeah. But but it, but it's not take that, no. right? And it's not super negative. Like, even when you land on another Viscount space, that's, like, so... The interaction doesn't matter. Like, you shuffle... You both shuffle each other's cards. Or, or you don't shuffle each other's cards. You can you rearrange... Realign the order of your cards. Yeah. It's like... I. Yes, there could be certain situations where you'd be like, oh, I was really hoping that guy was go off your board, so I don't want to do that. Yeah. But Unless you're playing against the solo, and if you land on the solo space, then he's going to get a resource, which right. matters. Yeah, then it... Speaking of solo, the AI to run on all three of these is super easy, in my opinion. I think they're all fantastic. But for me, Paladins gets a five, Viscounts gets a four, and it's probably going to get pushed to a five with the expansion. I'm excited to play that one when it eventually gets released. And then Architects, like I said, is a three with expansions. It is probably going to get bumped up to a four. I think that's where I would be comfortable putting these ranking wise. Okay. Yeah. Then, I mean, I think we're at similar scores, except, uh, or at least as of now, I'm also at, I'm at a five, four, four, but just the order is swapped for me on Viscounts and Architects. Which leads into the expansions. For me, they were necessary in some of these games, and this series has a bunch of expansions. So why don't we talk about what expansions mean to us? Are they worth the extra money, or is it just wasted cardboard? So finally, we discuss when we pull the trigger on expansions, and when, if ever, we don't. So I guess to mix it up once in a while i'll introduce the topic not really because we've been talking about it the whole night <laughs> the cat's already out of the bag <laughs> dang it uh yeah so i mean i think we, we just wanted to discuss you know a lot of games get expansions a lot of games get too many expansions <clears throat> terraforming mars uh or any deck builder um and you know so how do we think about when to buy an expansion or not 
and I guess what drives when we actually decide to buy them. So do you want to start off with uh, how you feel about yeah. it, Josh? So I wrote down a couple of things of what I'm specifically looking for with expansions. So we'll kind of, instead of just me writing all of them off, I'll mention one and maybe we can talk about it. So the first thing for me that I look for is variable starting resources slash unique player powers. So I'll give an example is Architects. We also had Zulkin. And to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't play either of these games without those unique starting setups. Yeah, I I mean, I totally agree. That is probably my favorite expansion. It's my favorite when it's included straight out of the game, as it is in Viscounts. Uh, but, you know, that's... Uh, I kind of think of expansions in three different, like, large groups. There's obviously tons of variation. There are not just three types of expansions, but I kind of put them into, like, just more stuff, which is pretty much deck builders, uh, where they don't change the mechanisms a ton, but they just add a bunch of content. Small changes and tweaks to gameplay, that's where I put things like uh, variable starting powers uh, or things, something that kind of like patches a problem. So I think of this as like a video game patch kind of thing. Or blow up the game and completely change <laughs> it, um, which is uh, Roll for the Galaxy has an expansion that's like that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, to your point that is small changes and tweaks to gameplay is kind of my favorite. That's my bread and butter. Cause like if I, if I like the game, then, then that's, uh, I, I don't want a huge change to the game. And, but I, but I do want something different, you know, like when you have just more stuff, it's just more stuff piling up that I'm only using one time. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes that more stuff is, like Gloomhaven, where you have, what is it, Forgotten Circles? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we didn't particularly like Forgotten Circles, but that was because it changed. Had I think it had a major change to gameplay in it as well, in that you had to play a certain character through all the scenarios. But, but then you look at Jaws of the Lion, which is pretty much just... Well, I guess that had some tweaks too, because that had a major change where you don't have to set up the board. It was more scenarios, you know, and that's, I think, in campaign games where I don't have a lot of great examples, I guess, because I don't play a lot of campaign games. But I think that if you're just adding 10 more scenarios or I think they usually like Mansions of Madness just adds one or two. Um, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought up Forgotten Circles. I'll mention that a little bit later of an expansion of things that do wrong yeah. in the expansion. Uh, so <laughs> your tweaks... The other one I came up with, which will fit up along your category, is fixes a frustrating component of the base game or frustrating uh, yep. mechanism. So Architects, for me, was this, the ability to cycle the apprentices. I think that was necessary with the Age of ex, age yep. of Artisan expansion. The other one, which if you listen to anybody else, Champions of Midgard, the Valhalla expansion. You have to play with that. You yeah. get the benefit because yes. you have bad dice rolls. Everybody has bad dice rolls. And if you do, you get yep. some reward from having bad ones because your your fighters are going to Valhalla. You're getting some credit for that. The the other ones I brought up, you mentioned terraforming Mars, the Prelude expansion. Yeah, hundred percent necessary. 
you really shouldn't yeah. play Terraforming Mars without that feature. And the other one, which I kind of wanted to mention one from previous review, was Tiny Towns. I really like that Fortune expansion. I like the the yeah. flexibility that the little coins gave us, that acting as a wild resources. So I agree with your, your tweaks. Yeah, and, you know, I'm thinking about... Uh, because I actually had champions Midgard listed as well for small tweaks, but now I'm wondering that might actually even be a big change, right? Like having that now, sometimes you purposefully want dice to die so you can satisfy those. So it like completely changes strategy somewhat. Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter that much, but uh, it's somewhere between a small and big tweak. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I, I do like that expansion quite a bit. And yeah, I agree with almost every other reviewer that I wouldn't play this unless... Wouldn't play it without it. The um, other one you yeah, brought but, up but, was more stuff. So the the point I came up with that one was added content without added complexity or bloat. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm thinking about. So I'll, I'll list a couple. I think uh, you'll spin off on some of these. So Clank. Great deck building game. There's a couple mm-hmm. of different expansions. There's actually an adventuring party, which will give you asymmetric powers that fits in with our variable setup. But the some of the expansions for base clank is Golden Silk and Temple of the Ape Lord, which gives it keeps the same basic concept but with a fresh spin. So instead of a dragon like clank, now you have this monkey or this spider and kind of tweaks it just yeah. a little bit, which is neat. Uh, Merchant's Cove. I know you haven't played it yet, but Merchant's Cove, those expansions adds more characters to it. So the base game comes with four characters. Expansions add three more. So you got seven total characters to play this unique kind of worker placement game. And the other one, another review game, Wingspan. Expansions equals more birds. Other, A few other things, but more birds. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is most card driven games i think will fit into this category because especially something like wingspan or um dominion is another one what's another i didn't i should have written these down but i didn't Uh, but like the really popular deck builders or i mean clank's a good fit for this really uh that just get played so much that they people need more stuff they don't necessarily need a huge change in the gameplay, but they just want to see more options yep. at whatever market you're going to. And yeah, so the just more stuff is one that, I don't know, can drive me crazy at times because it's the one that sucks me in easily because I think like, oh, this is a game I like. Uh, it doesn't change it that much, so I don't have to learn anything really. I'll just get it and roll with it. But then it just sits on my shelf because I'm also less excited to play it because it doesn't change anything. And so I have like Eminent Domain is a deck builder. I have a bunch of Aeon's End. I, I mean, I love Aeon's End. It's my number two game. Uh, but I have two whole sets of Aeon's End that are just sitting on the shelf because they don't change. Any- Actually, it might be three sets. It's two or three sets. But uh because they don't change a bunch. So it's just more of that. And so like in this eternal board game quest for newer and better stuff, it's like if I'm looking for change, then 
that's usually not what I'm in the mood for. So I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with the the just more stuff that I go in and out of. The collector side always wants it, but the the player side doesn't always. That's true. Well, I've got two other things that I personally look for when I'm trying to get an expansion. Let's see what you think of these. So I thought I was trying to think outside of the box and I came up with the concept of modular dice forge. Mm-hmm. So a fun dust dice chucker that you forge your own dice. Imagine that. So this expansion, it adds a lot of complexity. So maybe it goes against the part we mentioned earlier, but inside of it includes two different modules in the rebellion expansion. And you can decide what you want to include or not include. Uh, so that was one. I, other examples I thought of was Fireball Island that I've mentioned on the channel before and in the Hall of the Mountain King. That expansion, which now includes a solo mode and solo slash cooperative mode. I don't care for it, but it includes it so that it offers that modularity to the base game. And the other thing I tried to think of was something that adds a campaign. Now, I know you love your Lost Ruins of Arnak campaign, but... I told you before we actually started recording that I got the uh, Red Skull campaign for Marvel Champions. You could have the Teotihuacan has a solo campaign that's free. So, wait, what? Yeah, there, I think. Oh man, I think th- I'm pretty sure it's or it's it's like different variable setup, like extremely hard mode or something. Dave Turchy created this huge thing. It's on BGD, free to download. That makes. I did not know it that. It looks pretty cool. I don't even know if I have the stones. Build it. Get it? Ah! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's you know I can't believe I didn't think of that. That is probably my favorite. The campaign mode is probably my favorite type of expansion. Uh, I the reason I probably didn't think of it is that I still you know am new to the solo arena, and I'm not like I'm not in the forums or anything like that. I'm not that that heavy into solo but I do enjoy it anyways. So I wish that campaigns didn't all come out just for solo because generally when it works solo, you can also make it work co-op. So why can't you just do the little bit of extra, you know, why can't you work an extra week to provide this free campaign to me? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a hard, but yeah, the campaigns are, a lot of fun. And then as far as modular goes, I don't know. Um, the modular for me, I, so I think of Sierra West. I don't know if you have that game. That's Johnny pack. It's one of his earlier ones. And it, it, that came out of the gate with four modules and you can only play one at a time. And so it's kind of like having four different games, but not really. You pretty much just have one, because you're just going to find the mode you like and just play that mode, pretty much. Taverns of Tief and Tall had uh, five modules, but like you're, you're pretty much just playing with all of them if you're a, a gamer, which it's it's not really... It's not in the market for games that are just uh, gateway games. It is a gateway game, but you need to know a gamer to play it. So you're going to play with all five modules, probably. So... It's more like a way to learn the game. So I like the idea of modular expansions, but so far in experience have not liked the ones that I've tried. Yeah. Um, That could just be a bad experience. That's fair. Well, 
speaking of things you don't like, so I came up with two ideas or two things for expansions that I don't care for. And you mentioned one of them earlier with uh, Gloomhaven Forgotten Circles. And I'm going to lump that into the category of experimentation. So in Forgotten Circles, you do have this really cool character. And the problem is you have extremely annoying scenarios, frustrating setup. And like you said, that character has a specific role to play. And you, if you're that character, you're not really involved in the action. You're just kind of going through the motions like an AI almost. And when Jeff and I played Gloomhaven with Forgotten Circles, we quit during it. And I finished the campaign. I started a new campaign solo, and I three-handed it. And I begrudgingly pushed through this campaign. I hated it. Which is crazy, because you did get to be involved in all the action then, since you were the the diviner. And I still hate yeah. it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think... So, this is... This was my fault because I just mentioned how I think about the three categories and didn't say whether I like or dislike them because I don't I don't know that I have certain categories that I like or dislike other than campaigns and uh, starting player powers. Anyways, uh, <laughs> blowing up the game and making major changes to gameplay, I think is pretty much I I don't like it as a rule of thumb. So my my example for this is the role for the Galaxy Rivalry expansion. Which adds... Uh, do you have this one? No, you told remember. me not to buy it. I know you have. Yeah. So it adds to base Roll for the Galaxy an alien orb, which basically gets you a free resource at the beginning of every round. Or it adds this negotiation game that you can play on the side. And the alien orb just totally changes the pacing of the game. And the negotiation is like this whole different aspect that does not... didn't didn't feel like it belonged to me in Roll for the Galaxy. So you just changed the feel of the game so much. And to the point that I haven't played Roll for the Galaxy again. And I love Roll for the Galaxy. I don't remember if that's in my top 10, but I love it. Uh, and haven't played it again because of the bad taste from that expansion. Um, and like, I don't know. It feels like it should be a new game instead of that. Like if you're trying to make mechanisms that fundamentally changed the game. And especially for that particular one, which was a $60 to $70, depending on how much, uh, if you paid full retail price. Uh, so 50 to 70 anyways, uh, just make a new game and we'll, we'll pay that. People will pay that price for a new game. You don't need to make an expansion that, that to me felt like you were suckering me in because I'm a fan of the, for the galaxy universe. And so that's what I didn't. That's kind of how I feel about the blow up the game aspect. And Tom Lehman. Or the experimentation. I was say, Tom Lehman, the designer for Roll for the Galaxy, has created just that Dice Realms, which is supposed to come out at the end of the year. I think it's supposed to have something similar to that. Uh, but blowing it up, I didn't know where to fit this one in it, but I wanted to include Golem Edition for Alchemist. I hated that expansion. Oh, yeah. That because that, that was sort of the, the modularity, right? But that that one yeah, goal, that, that, fourth, that fourth module, module the goal of module, yeah. I hated it. Yeah, and and I mean that one, I think did yeah, that definitely kind of blew up the game too because it added. It almost, I don't know if it made it easier necessarily, but it like took some of the tension away on publishing because you could always have 
something to do basically to publish. And then also just the whole golem thing was, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it made it long. It made it longer and took away some of the tension. I don't know. I didn't like it either. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say for things that I don't care for is what I'm going to say is after thoughts, because this is my last thought for expansions after thoughts, is something that just didn't need to be added at all. That's sort of like the added complexity or adding something just to say you're going to add it. An example I had that I recently got was for Draftosaurus. They just came out with two expansions called Aerial Show and Marina, which adds pterodactyls and mesosaurs, little water dinosaurs. I like playing with them, but I don't think they're necessary. And I think that's something you alluded to was having an expansion just for the sake of having an expansion or creating this to get a little more cash grab. Say, hey, you like this. Here's some more stuff that we've got. Eh, it's not necessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... I totally understand that. And that is how I think some of the Terraforming Mars expansions started to feel. as like I don't know if they were afterthoughts or just more stuff, but it's somewhere in the middle of of that. Of like, at some point when you're just adding expansion and expansion, like one expansion every six months or something, it starts to feel like, how can you possibly design well thought out expansions to this game? Either you withheld a bunch of stuff from the game, and designed it like that from the beginning, in which case I got like a half of a game, or you uh, are just pushing things out for money. So, yeah. Uh, Which, you know, I can't begrudge you for wanting to make money. It's, you know, capitalism. Go for it. But they're my least, probably also in the bottom end of how I feel about expansion. And I think that's how the designer is. Uh, Phil Ecclestein, I, I, I might have butchered his name, but he, he creates these games and he, he explains them as you start with a very simple design and build up from that. Keep it simple, not complex. And I recently read that Dave Turchie was the opposite. He includes all the cool stuff he wants into a game and then pairs it down through multiple test plays. And I think that means is how you get a bunch of expansions. Because maybe Terraforming Mars was supposed to be this huge, grandiose game. They're like, that's not going to sell. Pair it down. Cut some of these little things off. Oh, that's an expansion. That's an expansion. And that would explain why in six months you have a new expansion for each of these. Right. That's, That's a good point. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, it could be solid that it comes out that way. Um, and I guess that's, it's also hard then to know like what is an afterthought or not until you've played it or watched a review that, or with, with some gameplay run through or something. But for sure. Well, with that, hopefully you listeners out there get a sense of things that we look for in expansions, things that we try to include with some of our reviews even though we try to review just base games but the game we'll review next week has an expansion which we'll we'll mention or in two weeks we'll mention that so it gives you a little sense of an idea what we're going for with these expansions and why some of them are worth the money and some of them are just wasted space (laughs) yeah and uh you know actually thinking about next week or two weeks from now i was thinking maybe we could let the listeners know what our game is if they want to play alongside. So since since we're actually scheduling ahead now, you know, we're thinking about and it. Should we uh, mention the special guest? Yeah, let's do it. Right. You can go ahead. Well, I'm going to mention the game. I'll let you do the special guest. So the next game we're going to review is 
Aquatica. And yeah, with with, with the cold waters expansion. With the cold waters expansion. And <laughs> and we are going to review it with our significant others. So Nicole will be with me on my end and Veronica will be with Josh. Yep. So we're pretty excited to have them on board and see what kind of chaos the women in our lives can sow. And they're going to beat us, let's be honest. <laughs> in the board game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, we might, we'll play this one four player probably. Absolutely. And they'll still beat us. Awesome. <laughs> we're going to be sunk at the bottom Sounds of the good. ocean. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Meeple Night. Hope you enjoyed our banter. Thanks for putting up with our long-winded discussions on expansions and what we enjoy about the West Kingdom. <laughs> And tune in to next episode to hear what we think about Aquatica. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. And if you want to get in contact with us, remember uh, we're on Instagram uh, at Meeple Night. Or you can email us at MeepleNightPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see y'all in a fortnight. Good night. And good luck. Thanks for listening to Meeple Night. Today's episode was recorded in Charlottesville, Virginia on August 14th, 2021 and uploaded using Anchor. Our theme music is All Night by Declan DP provided by Audio Library Plus, which provides free and safe music for content creators. For all the latest from Meeple Night, follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group or email us at meeplenightpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks. So until then, dream a little dream of games. You gotta stay in your toes. I don't wanna work. I just wanna bang on your drum all day. I don't know if I'll keep that in or not.